¿Qué tal mi gente latina? Hoy les tengo buena noticia. El día 10 y 11 de junio del 2022 llega a Chicago la Convención de Cannabis de Nicandy, Illinois. No se lo pierda. La ciudad de Chicago abrega 44 dispensarios de cannabis. Impresionante. Nican se esfuerza de traerle los mejores dispensarios de cannabis en la industria junto en un solo lugar. No importa su nivel de experiencia en este tema. Todos están invitados al evento a explorar la sala de exposiciones y escuchar docenas de expertos de cannabis. Ya llega pronto Nican Chicago. Tenga su boleto hoy en nican.com raya diagonal Illinois de nuevo nsann.com raya diagonal Illinois Hola mi gente, it's Joshua as founder and host of the Basel podcast I want to thank you for listening to this show where we highlight stories by, from and about the Puerto Rican community from La Isla to the diaspora Let's be honest, traditional media is not lifting up Puerto Rican stories that reflect the nuance and beauty that exist in our community, and we hope this show plays a little part in changing that. If you want to help us share the diverse and vibrant stories that make up the Puerto Rican communities here on Paseo Boricua in Chicago and around the world, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcasts. Subscribing helps more people find the show and will help you make sure you never miss an episode leaving a five-star rating or whatever the highest rating in your app is, and showing some love in the comments helps too. You can always give a donation by looking up the Baseo podcast on savechicagomedia.org. All right, that's enough from me. Enjoy the show. Hola, hola, hola. Bienvenidos to the Paseo Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It is Un Verano Sin Ti Day here at the podcast. Bad Bunny just dropped his latest album, and my goodness, this man is the Swiss army knife of music. If you can think of a genre that exists out there, he's figured out a way to incorporate it. I'm exaggerating, of course, but uh, and I'm kind of not, because he like blends a ton of stuff. So maybe I am biased. Uh, as a Boricua, as a Bad Bunny fan, we actually threw a poll up on our Twitter account and our Insta at Paseo Podcast. So if you've listened to it, haven't listened to the latest album or, you know, you just don't like it, uh, check out the poll, answer it. Uh, we'd love to to hear what your or see uh, what your thoughts are on, on Un Verano Sin Ti. Uh, listening to it, I'll tell you this again, uh, that ish is fire. So definitely give it a listen. Um, we're going to change up the intro uh, today, normally we jump right into our guest interview and we have a really good interview set up um, for you all to listen to today. Uh, we're actually going to have a, a scientist, uh, a science communication expert, uh, Dr. Monica Felu Moher. Uh, she is a really talented individual. She is going to come on the show. She's going to talk about this program called Aquí Nos Cuidamos, which helped bridge the gap uh, between uh, science and scientific information and communities in Puerto Rico, and they've had some really good success. In fact, they've been given awards uh, for the success they've had on this project. So we're going to learn a little bit about Aquí uh, Nos Cuidamos, how it came to be, what uh, their goal, overall goal was. Uh, we're also going to talk about an important element of the project, which was empowering community leaders to really be advocates and help build trust when trying to translate uh, what information is coming out of the science community uh, to the everyday lives of people on La Isla. And uh, we're going to be talking about this in the context 
of COVID-19, but they have other plans uh, down the line to continue the mission of Aquí Nos Cuidamos beyond the pandemic. So there's going to be other topics that they really want to dive into. Um, and it sounded like from our interview, and we, we conducted this interview uh, a month or two ago, but um, it sounds like from that interview from Monica, uh, she and her team um, are looking at developing materials that um, will continue to bridge that uh, science to community gap. So really excited for you to hear that conversation after the commercial. Uh, definitely stick around because, of course, we asked Monica what being Puerto Rican means to her. But we also asked her, um, you know, as a Latina, um, you know, as a woman of color in, in science, we created space for, for her to share what that experience has been like. And, you know, spoiler alert, but not really. I think y'all can kind of gather what the experience is like for a woman of color in the scientific community. More specifically, she's going to be talking about some of the microaggressions she's experienced and how she's really navigated that, how she's responded to that. Uh, so it's a really good discussion. I encourage you all to stick around for the full interview to listen to it. But like I was saying before, we're switching up the order of the episode this week. Um, we're going to start out with the news segment. It's just me. I know I feel like I'm playing a trick on y'all and saying Kim and I are going to do this, but it has been such a wild week for me and for her too, uh, professionally and personally. I've also tried to, as stuff has kind of gotten to warm up here in Chicago, trying to make time for myself, um, trying to make time for, for being at home. Um, got to see you know, a Crosstown Classic game, so I got to see the White Sox kick the Cubs' ass, which was awesome. No offense to you Cubs fans. Um, I actually was a Cubs fan and then converted, um, but um, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, but there's been really great opportunities to really build bonds with other people in my life. So I've been trying to, to make those in-person relationships uh, a priority. Um, we're also, Kim and I are going on a road trip too. So we've been kind of scrambling around trying to prepare for that, for that little mini trip. We're going to go see an AAU tournament that our niece is in um, over the weekend. So that's really going to be exciting. But all this to say, um, not going to give a full rundown here. Going to go through things pretty quickly. But I do encourage y'all to follow us on social media, at Basel Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, we actually posted on our Insta and teased it on our Twitter and Facebook. It was a, a carousel of the latest Puerto Rican news headlines. Uh, people seem to really like it when we do those. So if you're not following us on Instagram, definitely give us a follow. Give those uh, posts a like and get, write a comment too. Tell us what your feedback is. Uh, there were some news stories that when we posted that came out after the fact. Of course, the latest Bad Bunny album drop. I mentioned that already. But a lot of ground is covered in those carousels. Uh, you know, we have stories on Puerto Rico's Senate having hearings on a bill to restrict abortions to vacation rentals booming in Puerto Rico and the pros and cons of that growing industry to other reports of Puerto Rican teachers failing to overturn pension changes and Puerto Rico's new uh, debt restructuring plan to all types of news around the Puerto Rico status bills and one that I feel is a pretty big story, pretty pretty big local story from La Raza that involves the uh, 50 plus foot banderas on Paseo Boricua in Humble Park here in Chicago. Uh, there's a um, work being done right now to make them into historical monuments, which would essentially put them under the protection and care of the city of Chicago, as opposed to just kind of being erected and kind of is left on uh, community shoulders that's been divested from and you can't really don't really have the resources to upkeep the monument of that size of those sizes um, and if it were to become a historical monument it would be one of two uh, Latine 
monuments here in Chicago. So a pretty historic deal. We'll keep you posted on any new developments, but uh, that is being um, put in the process. Um, there was other Bad Bunny news too, like he got cast as El Muerto and an upcoming Marvel film, which will be pretty cool to see, but it's a Sony film, so I'm not really hopeful, um, but I'm happy for him. Now, again, that's all the carousel, but there were a couple of stories that stood out. One was from the New York Times that reported a new coronavirus surge is sweeping Puerto Rico, and it, it really started to surge um, after restrictions were lifted. So um, Puerto Rico is reporting new cases at more than six times the national per capita rate, and hospitalizations are rising too. So not the best sign for La Isla in terms of uh, people's health. Uh, another story was from Bloomberg, uh, the governor of Puerto Rico, Pedro Pierluisi, has demanded that two mayors resign after a newspaper reported their arrest on public corruption charges. He was quoted as saying this represents another hard blow to public trust. Um, and as a reminder, it was the mayors of Humacao and Aguas Buenas uh, who have been detained. Um, and just for context, six current and former mayors have been arrested in Puerto Rico uh, since 2020. So uh, not a good sign, but uh, something I think many people are privy to that not only is there corruption um, in the States here in the US, but uh, the same can be said for Puerto Rico. So uh, it's important to be informed on these stories, important to use your vote for true progress um, and not just assume that because someone is aligned to a particular political party or may share the same neighborhood as you or may even share the same skin tone as you it's important to remember that not all skin folk are kin folk so really got to look at the issues look at who the person is and really determine whether or not you can trust them um, and of course rooting that trust in the type of policy and their track record on advocating for the policy they have put in their platform so just another good reminder um, again we put a bunch of stories on our instagram account check it out let us know what you think of course, uh, everything that we've put in that carousel recently, the stories I just shared with y'all right now, these aren't every uh, Puerto Rican headline out there. Uh, so, you know, if we miss something or if there's something that you feel we need to pay special attention to and elevate, you know, reach out to us. I already mentioned at Basel Podcast on all the social media channels, but if you want to email us, baselpodcast at gmail.com is the best way. All right, that's enough from me. Let's jump into our interview with Dr. Monica Felu Mujer to talk about aquí nos cuidamos, microaggressions, uh, investing in our community leaders, and a whole bunch more. I hope you all enjoy what you hear. Bienvenidos. This is the Paseo Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Smizer de Leon. Our guest today is Monica Feliu Moher. She is a scientist and science communication expert with a PhD in neurobiology who has dedicated herself to engage historically underserved and overlooked audiences, especially Puerto Ricans and other Spanish speakers with science. So without further ado, Monica, welcome to the Paseo Podcast. How are you doing today? Gracias, Joshua. Hola, everyone. I'm doing great. I want to talk about this project, and you were the lead on this community engagement project, uh, Aquí Nos Cuidamos. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was a project that was done under the nonprofit organization Ciencia Puerto Rico. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization and the project? Sure. 
So Ciencia Puerto Rico is a nonprofit organization that brings together anyone with an interest in science in Puerto Rico. Not necessarily scientists, not necessarily Puerto Ricans, although most of, of the people in our network, we have a network of more than 15,000 people across the globe. Um, most people are scientists, but we also have, and they are Puerto Rican, um, but we also have educators, we have students, and we just have, you know, citizens that are interested in science on Puerto Rico. So what brings together our community is that common interest. And then that commitment to put their their knowledge and their resources in service of Puerto Rico. Um, and so as an organization, we tap into, into the collective knowledge of that community um, to create social impact. And, and we do that through science communication and community engagement. Um, and that's where the project that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, Aquinos Cuidanos Falls, but we also have like media collaborations with, with newspapers and radio stations in Puerto Rico um, to highlight La Ciencia Boricua. Um, we have projects that are, are focused on improving science education in, in Puerto Rican schools, particularly by providing kids in Puerto Rico with role models that are relevant to their culture and their contacts. We have programs that are focused on supporting the professional development of scientists and training. Um, and then more broadly, what we do is we promote the civic engagement of the scientific community in, in Puerto Rican society. We believe that you know science is as, as much part of, of Puerto Rican culture as music or, or food, and it, it should play and role in all aspects of, of our society. It touches many, many aspects of our lives, but you know, science and scientists uh, don't necessarily have a role in, in some areas, like in, in, in policy, for example, or decision-making. And so as an organization, we try to promote that civic role and that civic participation of, of the scientific community. Um, and so Aquinos Cuidamos in particular is a project of, of Ciencia Puerto Rico. And it's a, it's a community-centered project that it's focused on promoting um, COVID-19 prevention and overall well-being in marginalized and vulnerable communities. And we do that through uh, multimedia uh, science and public health education through community engagement, supporting the work of communities in different ways and, and through science and solidarity. So Aquí Nos Cuidamos was, we started this project in September of, of 2020. So it, it, it was really inspired by what was going on um, with, with the pandemic, particularly with the reality that just generally there is a lack of timely, culturally relevant, accurate science information in Spanish. There's much less of that than there is in, in English. Um, and that's a, a chronic challenge. So it's not something that is new to the pandemic. But, you know, when you're in a public health emergency, having access to timely information that you can understand and that you can act upon, it's even more important. It, it could make the difference between within health and, and sickness. Um, 
And so we thought one of the, the early responses of our organization of Ciencia Puerto Rico to the pandemic, because we've had these media collaborations, was really essentially put our community of scientists out there to talk about COVID, to explain what was happening, what we knew, what we didn't know. Um, and so we noticed that there was an opportunity for us to create materials, um, educational materials that could help people, particularly people who were not scientists, who perhaps didn't have the expertise that our community had to, to then educate others, um, to educate themselves and educate others. And so we thought, well, what if we create a, a multimedia kit? you know, like a, a, a box of tools that people say like, oh, I need to learn more about this. I'm going to pull this tool from, from this kit, from this toolbox. Um, and so that was the original idea behind Aquí Nos Cuidamos. It became much more than that. Um, but in general, the, the project has two main components, this multimedia education toolkit and a community engagement program. And this toolkit uh, that we created has more than 200 multimedia assets from videos, audios, posters, infographics, manuals, um, and, and it has four public service campaigns that are focused on COVID-19 prevention, vaccination, and mental health. Um, and, and one of the things that's pretty unique about how we designed this project is from the beginning, we knew that we wanted to focus on 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 serving uh, communities that have been historically marginalized because those are the communities that have been disproportionately negatively impacted by the pandemic. Um, and and so we created this this toolkit. Um, and that's free. It's available for free. Anyone can use it. It's still, you know, two years into the pandemic, it is still very relevant. Um, and so that's one of, of the core aspects of Aquí Nos Cuidamos. The other is a community engagement program. And, and that community engagement program was born really as we were creating this toolkit, we realized, you know, people needed support to understand how they could use this toolkit. Our, the response after we launched our first of the four campaigns was like, this is beautiful, it's really cool. And that was great to hear, but we really wanted people to use it. And so we realized we need to kind of um, help people understand how this toolkit can help you and can serve your needs. So we started doing workshops uh, to train epidemiologists, health educators, community leaders in Puerto Rico on how they could take advantage of that. That community engagement program also features different collaborations with uh, community-based organizations, nonprofits, government agencies like the Puerto Rico House of Representatives, because we are a small team and we realized through partnerships, we could amplify our, our impact. So that's also been an important part of of this community engagement program. And then finally, and, and I think for me, one of the most impactful aspects of Aquí Nos Cuidamos is a community ambassadors program. So in Puerto Rico, because of um, government incompetence and institutional failures, communities, particularly marginalized and vulnerable communities, 
they've had to rely on each other. Um, you know, there's a, there's a long tradition of, of autogestion, of self-reliance in Puerto Rico, where if communities, communities need to come up with their own solutions because institutions have failed them. Um, and so in Puerto Rico, there are probably thousands of community leaders, people that respond to, to the needs and priorities of their people um, and they come up with solutions, um, programs to address their needs and priorities. Um, and so we knew that these people had a key role in responding to the pandemic, but also that they had the trust of their communities in, in this entire response, especially in such an uncertain situation. So we created a program. We basically select, we did an application process. We selected 10 leaders from across Puerto Rico, a really diverse group of leaders that represents Puerto Rico. We have um, leaders who live in public housing projects, who are Black, who are women, predominantly women. Um, we have leaders who are religious leaders. We have a nun, we have a pastor in our group. We have two of our, our ambassadors who are deaf. Um, and, and so this group really represents the, the many different realities uh, uh, in Puerto Rico. Um, and we have worked with them to support their work more closely by providing them with funding, with mental health workshops, with communications and graphic design help, and really creating a community of, of support um, so that they can they can learn from from each other and help each other throughout the past, you know, year and, and a half. So it's been a, a really, Aquinos Cuidamos has been a really comprehensive uh, project. It was, um, it's been really ambitious too. You know, we started with this idea of the toolkit and it, it became a lot more than that. I find this project so interesting, Monica, because um, I just feel like here in the States, you know, you when, when we talk about uh, COVID information, um, I think there's just a lot of distrust amongst a, mm -hmm. a population of, of the public, um, yeah. the d distrust in you know, institutions, distrust in our, our medical system. Um, when I think about Puerto Rico, it's hard for me not to apply that same lens to how people would receive getting information on COVID-19 on La Isla. Cause I, I think about like, uh, Puerto Rican women being sterilized in the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. Like I think about stuff like that. So I, I feel like when yeah. you have those institutional failures and you have that ingrained in people's memory, that there might be a bit mm -hmm. more hesitancy to receive information that they can trust from a medical, from, yeah. from medical personnel. So yeah. this idea of using community responders, community advocates to really act as your point people in communities you're working with I think that's such a, a really great method to implement. Yeah, yeah, no, but I agree with you. I mean, I, I think they're, they're really key cultural differences between Puerto Rico and, and the states. Um, and yeah, there, there is, from, from our experience, there is mistrust in institutions and mm -hmm. there is mistrust in establishment in general and there as you mentioned you know the example of of the birth control pill and how it was tested on Puerto Rican women and you know a lot of Puerto Rican women were sterilized 
um, they were tested on without their consent. They were sterilized without their knowing. And there's a, you know, there's a long history of, of abuse of, of science and medicine, um, in against different marginalized Puerto Rican uh, populations, Puerto Ricans included. Um, you know, there's also mistrust in, in the government at the federal level, but also at the local level. But I think there is one key cultural difference that we have seen and I think has really made it has really made a difference in in how the pandemic has impacted Puerto Rico versus you know different places in the states and that is our it, it's really our collective care in Puerto Rico we are about community like culturally is about and that's one of the reasons why our project is called Aquinos Cuidamos which loosely translates to here we take care of each other um, you know, the, the project really embodies an important part of our cultural identity. We are very uh, much community focused. We solidarity is, is a core value in, in Puerto Rico. And because we have had to take care of each other in some instances, because we've we've been left with no other choice, but because taking care of each other is such an important part of how we live. Um, we really tapped into that. And so we, in our project, at least we haven't seen the level of pushback that, you know, if you compare it to, to different communities in, in the U S and like just generally how, how um, the, there are, there's a lot more polarization in, in their response um, to COVID in the States, we haven't seen, I mean, of course there is polarization, but it hasn't been, uh, as, um, as strong in, in Puerto Rico. And I think it speaks to, to a key cultural difference, um, between, you know, how Puerto Ricans live their lives, um, versus in the States where the, the culture in the States is a lot more individualistic is about me and about, what's good for me. And I'm going to, you know, I, I don't want to wear my mask because it is my freedom. It's not about, am I, you know, am I helping you? Am, am I helping keep the other person next to me healthy? It's like, I don't care about that. It's about me and how I feel. Whereas in Puerto Rico, our approach is, is really driven by that solidarity and that collective care. Would love to hear if you have one, a story of when you were working in a community and, and maybe someone or a group of people may push back against some of the information that was being shared on COVID-19, like share an exec, can you share a story of that and kind of like how you handled it, how your team approached uh, those particular individuals or that individual? Yeah. So one of the things um, with, with the the way that we carried out this project is that, you know, we were really relying on our community ambassadors to kind of be the the spokespeople um, for our project. And what we've heard from them is, you know, they would post things on Facebook or on um, WhatsApp. Facebook and WhatsApp are really really popular in, in Puerto Rico, um, and so our community leaders would, you know, take. Uh, content from our toolkit and share it and they would get questions they would get uh 
pushback. I mean, some of them would even get like attacked. Um, and so, you know, there, there was some of that and, and there was some of the, I think, you know, one of the things that you see with, um, anti-vaccine, uh, folks, um, or at least vaccine skeptical folks is that there are particular tropes that they use and they use them over and over and over and over again. Um, so it's like, Oh, the vaccine, it's like, you know, there's conspiracy theories and those are one extreme, but then there are others that are genuine questions. Um, like one thing we would hear very often was like the vaccines were made too quickly. Um, and so for us, that would be an opportunity to first acknowledge, well, yeah, that is true. The vaccines from the moment they were, started to the way they came to, to the, when they came to market, that was pretty fast, but here are the reasons why. So those questions would be an opportunity for us um, to first acknowledge it is okay to have questions. It is normal to have questions. It is healthy to ask questions. Um, but, you know, that's one of the things that we want. We want people to ask questions and think critically. Um, and so, you know, we would acknowledge and, and respect that the, the people were asking questions. We would also acknowledge where some of those questions were coming from. Um, you know, those questions are coming from fear. They're coming from fear of the unknown, of uncertainty. They're coming perhaps from certain values or beliefs, from previous experiences. And so each of those questions were an opportunity for us to try to understand where are people coming from and how do we find common ground? And so we were, in our work, we were mostly trying to support the community leaders to kind of understand you know, the kind of behind the scenes of this is how misinformation works. Um, this is why people may be saying these things and asking these questions. And this is, here are tools to help you respond in a respectful and, um, you know, with empathy. Because I think there is a lot of, well, if you don't agree with me, that means that you are wrong or it means that you are dumb and it means that you don't have the right information. So I'm just going to give you the information and that's going to fix it. And that is not how people think or evaluate information. Really happy to hear that the, a part of the project that was kind of baked into the process when working with uh, community responders and advocates was this idea of let's show you how to talk to people. Because um, mm -hmm. ideally in those situations, you, of course, want cooler heads to prevail where you're leading with facts um, and, and empathy as opposed to this very like finger pointing, accusatory, defensive stance. Right. Um, yeah. So looking at uh, the project as a whole, and you've touched on this a, a few at a few points during our conversation, Monica, um, but what were what were the results so far? I mean, I know it's still an ongoing project, but what are some of the results yeah. you're seeing? Because it sounds like you've had some really positive ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this project has really exceeded our expectations. You know, like we've we've created more than 200 multimedia assets. They're all available for free on our website, aquinoscuidamos.org. Um, you know, the content has been accessed by like almost 20,000 people from about a hundred wow. countries around the world. So, you know, we're seeing not just people in Puerto Rico, but in other speaking uh, Spanish speaking countries use 
Aquí nos cuidamos. Um, you know, our content uh, has been broadcasted by more than a dozen radio and TV stations as public service announcements. Um, you know, content has been shared you know, probably thousands of times on social media. And those, you know, those are the numbers, right? I think for me, the biggest impact of, of Aquí Nos Cuidamos has been the relationships that we've built. The relationship we've built with community-based organizations and, and their leaders and community leaders, um, because that, especially working directly with marginalized communities, wasn't something that we were doing as directly as an, or, as, as an organization before the pandemic started. Um, you know, Ciencia Puerto Rico has always focused on, on equity and underrepresented populations. We, we had never worked as directly with marginalized communities in Puerto Rico as, as we are now. So for me, that is really, really important. Um, and, and that's the most impactful thing. Um, you know, we've been able to build trusting relationships with populations that, you know, perhaps they've never met a scientist before. Um, you know, we've been able to build relationships with the deaf community in Puerto Rico, which, you know, it's a community I'd never worked with um, until, until Aquí Nos Cuidamos. And it's a, you know, when you look at the universe of marginalized populations in Puerto Rico, a lot of people in these communities, they really live at the intersection of marginalizations. Um, so it's not just, you know, they're black, they're immigrant or they're poor, but they're all of those things. Um, and that intersectionality creates, can create additional challenges. Um, and, but, you know, within, in, in, within marginalized communities in Puerto Rico, the deaf community is incredibly marginalized. Um, and, and you know, being able to learn from them and learn about them and, and the challenges that they have to deal with to live everyday life, um, you know, accessibility of information is a huge problem for, for the deaf community. Um, you know, I, for example, before starting this project, I thought, you know, we're, we knew we were going to create videos and we thought, you know, we're just caption the videos and that's because that's what you see on TV, right? Like you mm -hmm. see TV channels with closed captions and you're like, yeah, that's enough. But then at, when we started really listening to the deaf community, we realized the educational challenges they face are so huge. There are some deaf people that do not have the reading proficiency mm. to read captions. And so if you really want to make things accessible and inclusive of the deaf community, you need to have interpreters. Um, and so we had to shift we have to shift our budget. We have to shift our process so that we could make sure that every single content, audiovisual content we were creating could include an interpreter, that every single community forum or talk or event we did, we could have an interpreter because we, you know, we are committed to making science accessible and inclusive. And so if we want to be true to that, then we actually need to make sure that people in the deaf community are, are included. Um, and so to me, the, the, those lessons that we've learned about, you know, how these communities and their leaders 
all of the amazing things that they do with very little resources, with very little appreciation and being able to come in and say, you know, we are here to put science in service of what you do. And we are in equal footing. One of the things that's been really important for us has is, has been the recognition that communities do science. There, are, There's a lot of community, local, ancestral scientific knowledge in these communities. It's not recognized as science by academia. Probably people in those communities would not call it science. They would just, it's just the way they do things. But fundamentally, it is science. And so we've been trying to shift this, uh, you know, archetype and the stereotypes of who's a scientist, who does science, um, who creates scientific knowledge with the way that we've been working with communities. And to me, that is more valuable than the numbers. Like the numbers are fantastic. We've had, you know, we estimate that that we have reached more than 200,000 people in Puerto Rico alone. And that's probably underestimating how many people our content has reached. And that is great, but it's really about those lasting trusting relationships because through those, we can dismantle certain injustices. And I think we can create, we can continue to build upon that to, to create systemic change so that ultimately you know, these communities are not going to have to rely on, on each other. Like they, they're not going to have to rely on autogestion to survive, but they're going to be able to rely on autogestion to build the life they deserve to, so that they can live with dignity. So you go through this, this project and fast forward a few months, if I'm getting my timelines down correctly, you won the breakthrough of the year in science engagement award or the project won the breakthrough of the year in science engagement award. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the significance behind that? Like what is, and I'll be honest, first time I ever heard of falling walls was reading this article with you on the cover, like super excited after winning the award. Um, so I'm like oblivious. Yeah. What is Falling Walls and why does this? Why is this award so significant? Falling Walls is a, they're a foundation in, that are based in, in Berlin, Germany. And it, it was created around this idea of, of the falling of the Berlin Wall. Um, the, the Berlin Wall fell in November 9th of 1989, I think. Um, I think that's the year. I don't remember. I was, I was alive, but I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's built around this idea of breaking walls between science and society. Um, and so they have a summit that is celebrated, you know, on those days, um, the, the main summit falls always on November 9th, which is the anniversary of, of when the Berlin Wall fell. Um, and they recognize that I think they have 10 different categories where they recognize breakthroughs, people that are coming up with innovative solutions and that are in different ways, breaking walls between science and society. Um, and in particular, the science engagement category recognizes projects that are breaking the walls between science and the public. And, and, and really it's different public because this idea of like the general public, quote unquote, the general public doesn't exist. Um, the general public is, is many different publics. Um, it's not homogeneous. Um, 
but it's really about, you know, projects that are, are uh, connecting science with, with different aspects of society, addressing important societal uh, problems. And so we entered the competition in, in 2021. Um, we were first selected as one of the 50 uh, finalists for, for this. Um, and I think we were competing against 189 projects from across the globe. Then we were selected as one of the 20 winners. And as one of the 20 winners, you get to travel to Berlin to pitch your, your project is, you know, you have five minutes to pitch, you know, what did you do? What was the impact? Why is it important? Um, and then from there, an international jury of experts in science engagement, uh, they select the breakthrough of the year. Um, so it's the, you know, the most outstanding project in that category. And, and Aquí Nos Cuidamos uh, was selected as, as, as breakthrough of the year. Um, and, and this was... I mean, it was incredible. I, I, you know, I, I don't play sports, but that's uh, the way I felt that day. It's like how I imagine an Olympian would feel when they get on that podium. Like that's how I imagine like <laughs> Yasmin Camacho Queen felt when she was like getting that, you know, gold medal and listening to La Borinquena. That's how I imagine she felt like it was amazing. Um, and it was amazing for many reasons. One, you know, the event was being live streamed um, and I knew that that my team and that our ambassadors were watching. Uh, it was like, I don't know, it was like nine in the morning in Puerto Rico. Um, and I know that they were watching and I know like, you know, our, the sign language interpreter that we've been working with, like she got up early so that she could interpret the live streaming for our deaf um, ambassadors so that they could be part of it. And so like, it was really incredibly meaningful and it was such an honor for me to be there and represent them. Like I truly felt, again, emotional remembering it because I truly felt like I had them with me, mm. you know, like it wasn't just me. I was really representing these communities that are invisibilized mm. so often and rarely ever recognized. And so it was meaningful for that reason. It was meaningful because, you know, this is an international recognition by winning breakthrough of the year. That meant that we got to present or I got to present uh, Aquí Nos Cuidamos on the main stage of the summit. And like on the same session, like I presented two people after a Nobel Prize winner in physics. Like. During that day, one of the speakers earlier in the day was one of the inventors of the Pfizer COVID vaccine. So like this no is pressure. like <laughs> no pressure, right? Like big deal people. Um, and, and just being able to present this project that has created such impact and that personally means so much to me, it was amazing. And it also validates the value of what we've been doing. If I had a dollar for every time that I've heard oh, who cares about Puerto Rico? Like, why should I care about science in Puerto Rico? Why should I care about communities in Puerto Rico? How does this apply to any other community in the States? I would have a lot of dollars. Mm. And to me, that was like, well, take that. You know, like it was really validation of like what we are doing is, I mean, just, just because of the fact that is created an impact in Puerto Rico, that is enough. But 
it's a validation of like what we are doing, like you can learn from what we're doing. Um, and, and this could be of impact for, for other communities. And so it was, it was, uh, it's been one of the best experiences of my life. Hey there. We want to take a moment to thank our partners, the Puerto Rican Cultural Center of Chicago and the Chicago Independent Media Alliance for their support. This show would not be possible without them. And shout out to our amazing podcast team. Learn more about them and the show by visiting our website, paseomedia.org. Enjoy the rest of the show. Have you ever had anybody assume that you didn't have a PhD or was surprised that oh, yeah. you had a PhD? Like oh, yeah. any of those microaggressions thrown your way? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, like, yo, you don't look like a scientist or, you know, I've been in instances where like I am with male colleagues and they are called doctor and I'm called Monica and I'm like, excuse mm-hmm. me, like I am a doctor too. And, you know, I've been in instances where people uh, condescendingly try to be like, oh, whatever. And I'm like, well, yeah, I have a PhD from Harvard. Thank you very much. And I, you know, like I, I really hate doing the, those things. Um, but I am also very aware of the privileges that, you know, the educational opportunities I've had uh, allow me. I am very aware of there are some spaces where saying I am a doctor can open doors for me just because of the assumptions that people make about that. You know, I'm also very aware that uh, I, you know, although I am Puerto Rican and I have an accent, most places, if I enter a room and people don't hear me speak, they think I'm a white woman. Mm. And that allows me privileges that, you know, my colleagues and friends who are black women don't have, for example. And so I am hyper aware of those privileges. And so what I do is I think about, well, how do I use them to accomplish what I want? And what I want is, is more equity and inclusion. And so I, you know, I I very much try to use those privileges to my advantage. For other women of color with PhDs in high, I mean, I, I would say probably, yeah, I mean, I'd say in higher ed, you know, I've gone to get their master's PhDs, any advice that you have for any women listening that, you know, on how to kind of navigate those microaggressions and really, you know, take take up space in a room? I'm giving my answer in that context of there are certain privileges that I can't escape. Um, but I think one of the most valuable lessons I've learned along the way in my career is that when you come from a minoritized or a marginalized background, especially if you have more than one of those marginalized identities, the narrative that you are told and the narratives that are told about you is about deficit. You succeeded in spite of who you are. You know, you succeeded in spite of growing up in a working class community, in a rural working class community where educational opportunities were not plentiful. You succeeded in spite of being a woman. Um, And while there are challenges, systemic challenges that come with certain identities, just because of the way that we have been historically marginalized, 
I found a lot of power in reclaiming that narrative in the fact that I succeeded because of who I am. Um, I mean, sure, I grew up in a rural working class community where opportunities were not plentiful, but that means I had to be resourceful. Um, I also grew up in a place where I learned how to milk a cow early on. Can everyone say that? Probably not. Um, I don't know if I could still milk a cow, but <laughs> I could feel myself, you know, I could feed myself if I had to. Um, and so I've learned to kind of flip that narrative. Um, and so for me, there's been a lot of power in, in reclaiming that narrative and, and not allowing others to, f- to uh, force those false narratives of deficit on, on me and how I protect myself and how others see myself. So you know, there is power, a lot of power in your identities and in your experiences. And so I would encourage people to to step into the power of, of those identities and their experiences and how they add value to, you know, science or higher education or whatever space of power they enter. This is a question we've been asking all of our guests. Um, and it's one that I find to be the most one of the most interesting questions to ask Boricuas, uh, diaspora and La Ila, because I get a different answer every time. And I would be curious to hear from you, Monica, you know, what does, what does being Puerto Rican mean to you? Everything. <laughs> Good answer. Um, I, I love mean, it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not really like yeah, being, yeah. being Puerto Rican is such an important part of, of not just my personal identity, but my professional identity. Um, you know, the, the, all of the experiences that I had from, you know, growing up, um, you know, I've said this, I feel like a million times already in a rural working class community, um, you know, that really shaped my interest in, in science. It really shaped the way I understand and see the world. It really understand, uh, shaped how a lot of what I do is rooted in community. Um, you know, the very first scientists, and I didn't realize this until I was a grown adult. Um, the very first scientist I ever met was um, this old, this elder in my community who used to help milking our cows and like tending to the farm where I grew up in. He had a second grade education. But he knew more about science and animals and plants and the weather and and patterns more than any PhD scientist I've ever met. Um, And and that really is foundational. It it, it really shapes the way that I see the world. Um, it, It really shapes my work and how I want science to be a tool for for liberation in Puerto Rico, um, and, and for people to, to have dignity, um, in their lives, to have the life that they deserve, um, to be able to, to ask critical questions, not just of scientists and of physicians, but of the government. Um, and, and, and so f- for me, being a Puerto Rican scientist is, is who I am. It's at the core of who I am or how I see things of how I do everything. 
Um, and so for me, really being Puerto Rican means everything. Um, you know, for me, la ciencia boricua is, is generous, is, um, it's solidary. And, and I think there is something very unique about, about that, about being a Puerto Rican scientist. Yes, there are many, many challenges. Um, and, and those challenges, of course, have, have shaped me, but they also have given me the opportunity to, to learn really important lessons. Um, and, and so, again, for me, being Puerto Rican is my most important identity. For people that are listening that want to keep up with you, with your work, um, you know, how can they do that? Well, give us all the things, website, social media, yeah. how can people keep up with you? Yeah. So people can find me, uh, on my website, Monica me. So that's M O N I C A F E L I U dot me. It's hard for me to spell in English. Uh, <laughs> um, they can also find me on Twitter, uh, at Moefeliu, M-O-E-F-E-L-I-U. I'm very, pretty active on Twitter. Um, and so that's the best way to kind of keep up with me. Um, if they want to learn more about Ciencia Puerto Rico, they can find it on all major social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, if you just search Ciencia Puerto Rico, you'll find it. Um, and then Aquí Nos Cuidamos is we use the hashtag Aquí Nos Cuidamos PR. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to spell that. <laughs> You're good. People listening will know. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but you can find us using that hashtag on social media and you can also go to aquinoscuidamos.org, uh, to find all of our content, which again is available for free for anyone to use. In addition to following Ciencia Puerto Rico on social media, we are a nonprofit. So if you want to support our work, you can go to Yo Apoyo Ciencia PR and maybe you can add that in the show notes. We'll um, put in the show notes. You can also find us. <laughs> yeah, you can also find us on PayPal. Uh, and for those of you that are in Puerto Rico, we are also on ATH Mobile. So if you search for Ciencia PR, uh, Ciencia PR, um, you can find us and you can donate to what we do and so that we can keep up. Uh, the work promoting science in Puerto Rico. Dr. Monica Feliu Moher, thank you so much for being on the show. It's not every day we get a scientist on the show. So really appreciate you making time for us today. Gracias. I appreciate you too. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Okay, mi gente, that is our episode for today. Special shout out to Dr. Moher for coming on the show. Really appreciate the time she gave us. And uh, it sounds like Aquí Nos Cuidamos is doing some great things and will continue to do really great and impactful things in Puerto Rico. So we're really looking forward to seeing what they accomplish. Um, in our next episode, in a couple of weeks, it's, it might be a mixed bag. It might just be me um, doing like a little history show. We might actually do a Chicago Puerto Rican news rundown as well with some community leaders. I'm still trying to figure all that out, but I'm going to wait till after I'm done with my road trip to really figure out what's going to come next and when. We're also looking at doing an episode that highlights um, Arturo Alfonso Schomburg. So that'll be really cool. There's actually an author who, who wrote a book on his life. Uh, it's a pretty good book. I'm currently reading it right now. 
if you're not aware, Vanessa, Dr. Vanessa Valdez is the author, a pretty big expert on Arturo Schomburg. So we might have her on too. So hopefully that gives you some type of insight into what I'm thinking, but we'll figure it out. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. If you listen to, if you're listening to this a couple weeks after it dropped, if you're still catching up to other episodes, just keep in mind that if you give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever the top rating is on the app you're listening to this on, it really helps other people find the show. For some reason, the algorithm, uh, the powers that be have structured the algorithm and the search engines in these apps that when you leave a comment, when you leave a five-star rating especially, um, that really helps push it out to people that are looking for Puerto Rican podcasts. So help us out. Do that if you can. And until then, I'll see you in two weeks. Cuídate.